Well, surprise, I am not Rick. I'm Michael. And as I said before, I also work here. Um, Rick is sick. He's not. He's, he's going to get over it and so forth. It's not a serious bug. But um, he's given us a gift today. And let me give you some history. Um, several people, including Paul, wrote letters to congregations that they uh, wanted to send whatever their thoughts were to the congregations. So when the congregations got the letter, they would pick a distinguished member of the congregation to read those letters to the congregation. Uh, they'd also get posted up on the, on the door of the synagogue, and that's not going to happen. But I have the privilege of reading what I consider to be one of the most beautiful things I've ever read. And it is a, well, I'll just get started with what is written. In the grand tradition of St. Paul, writing to his congregations in Ephesus, Philippi, Rome, and the list goes on and on, I send this epistle of sorts to be read to the body of Christ in Palace Verdes estates. Borrowing Paul's opening words, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The phone rings. The voice on the other end is a numbed and muffled phone. Pastor, my husband has had a stroke. They've taken him to the hospital. Can you meet us there? The years of repeated trips I've made into the catacombs of the unit labeled intensive care. I've been there many times as a pastor and even, of course, a few times as a patient. Doesn't get any easier. Tubes, screens, beeps, smells, alarms, hanging bags. Rather haunting. But sometimes the wreckage of devastation and is often lies there in such a place. And it is rough. The night before, she was a vigorous, lively, 59-year-old, sang in the choir, brought a great spirit wherever she was. She was a vivacious and deeply committed member of the church. Now, I stood over her. She was pale, unconscious. The miracle machinery and the loving touch of nurses was keeping her going. The family circles the bed. We join hands. I trace the sign of the cross over on her forehead. As we touch, we wonder what tomorrow will bring. Death soon? Or therapy and back at life again? A miracle? I can feel the love. I know they want her to fight, 
to come home. Allow me to hang yet another picture on the wall. I hear a quiet knock on my office door. There stands a teenager, nervous, jittery, asks if I have a second to talk, steps in, closes the door behind him, tries a few pleasantries. He finally comes clean. He's bothered by something. Embarrassment, guilt, shame come pouring out. We're now in a private confessional space. He recognizes the wrong. No need for me to state the law to him, as he is already convicted by the weight of it. I pray for God's grace and forgiveness to come with simple and direct clarity so that this beautiful young life can live again. For now, all he sees are darkness and despair. And I think to myself, could I be God's light as seen through me? He needs to be touched by the presence of Christ. Could I be that for him right now? One last picture to hang on the wall. She's an elderly parishioner. Probably never misses a Sunday in church. Each week I look out, see her, face radiant, smiles supportively at me. Encourage me to keep speaking the gospel. It's been three years now since her life partner had died. They shared their faith and the church pew. Misses him dearly every day. When Michael or I speak a word about hope, love, eternal life, I can tell from her face and her posture that she's affected by the same old story. Sometimes her head bows. She dabs a tear or nods to acknowledge the hope she hears in the gospel. It is then that I know she is here in the gathering of God's people to be touched by a word, a word of grace that she just wouldn't miss hearing for the world. I've painted these little pictures of ministry for you because they nicely parallel the gospel from Mark that was read today by Laura. Jesus entering the home and finding Simon's mother-in-law with fever takes her by the hand, lifts her up, the fever leaves, and she serves. The touch of Jesus does that then, and it does that now. Read the Gospels and look for the difference his touch makes. 
Haven't you been touched in powerful ways by the same words, stories, or personal encounter with Jesus? Then in a bold and risky move, Jesus makes a commitment to choose those who have been so touched. He calls us to take his touch into the world for him, to be his heart, hands, feet in the world he loves so much. This touch comes in unexpected ways. Water trickled on the head at the font. A word of forgiveness in our ears. The lyrics of a song. The hands that imprint numbers and name on checks in the offering plate. A word, a word of hope spoken to someone who is depressed. <coughs> The touch exercised by those protesting or writing legislation to fight justice. You see, the Gospel of Mark sees to it that the church has a record of how it was wherever Jesus went so that we, we might know how it is to be wherever we go for him. And as we take his hand, he lifts up, he lifts up, lifts up, lifts, lifts us up to our feet, that we, like Simon's mother-in-law, might love, serve, honor, obey. The touch of Christ does that, you know. Amen.